Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship, to come together, to remember that you came once, but not only that, that you're going to come again. And because you're going to come again, we're going to truly experience what Christmas was about in the future. Loving Father, as we think about one aspect of what Jesus gives us, us being heirs, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Help us and encourage us and give us a sense of peace. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. For some people, the idea of being an heir is a challenging thing. Now, you hear stories about some of the rich people in Australia um, and the heirs and the burdens that get put on them. Some of the stories I've heard, I thought, how would you like to be part of that family? Yes, you get all the wealth, but there's also this other stuff that comes with us. The expectations, the, the, how you're supposed to live and portray your life. For other people, being an heir doesn't mean a lot because there's not much money and they haven't had a good relationship with their father. So when we explore what it means to be an heir, like we're going to do today, the heir of God, for some people it can be difficult. For some people it can be off-putting. Now I remember some talking to one person about this and they said, I have a real problem with this because I had a major issue with my sister and brother over a will and I didn't like all the problems that caused. Can I encourage you not to allow a will to bring division to your family? And instead, think about the importance of relationship above the wealth and the money. Because money will affect our relationship with other people. And it affects our relationship with God. However, so when we look at this gift of being being an heir of God, this gift that we get because Jesus came at Christmas, we have to think about it that God is the perfect, loving, heavenly Father. We also have to think about it that God not only is the perfect, loving, heavenly Father, but ultimately the gift we're going to get is a gift that is for everyone and the gift itself who is perfect. There'll be no sin, no pain, There'll be no problems with the gift. Um, Somebody I know just recently was given a a second-hand car for Christmas. And when I heard they got given a second-hand car for Christmas, it was a nice car, all I could think about is, is it going to have problems? Is it going to do this? Is it going to oil leak? Is it going to have this issue? How much is the insurance? Because it's a gift that was going to potentially, they're going to enjoy, but it potentially could cause problems. Well, the gift that God gives us in being an heir is not one that's supposed to cause problems. And if we think about the gifts we give at Christmas, many of the gifts that we give and receive are short-term gifts. How many of you have already eaten the chocolate you've given? Bruce, have you eaten all your chocolate yet? (laughs) Some of the gifts we get are not that useful, right? Because people haven't, don't know us that well, don't understand our situation. And other gifts, we've kind of drank, but there are some gifts that will last for a longer time than just Christmas Day or even the month of January. Now, there are some gifts that just keep on giving. And I did a quick search, and this is some of the suggestions if you want to give a gift that keeps on giving. Um, Give a cooking class. And then it said invite that person to your house at least once a month. Or a season's pass to something. My daughter... And Nancy have both given me seasons passes to things, and they're things that I use later on. 
right? Or like, not, Nancy didn't give seed pods, she gave me tickets, but the, the things that you can use later on. My daughter's given me this season pasta to somewhere and you just could use for 12 months, but it's still only a temporary gift. Maybe a pot plant, unless you've got a brown thumb, is a good gift that keeps on giving. Or someone actually suggested, just give them ever-ready rechargeable batteries. The problem with that, you also probably have to give them the rechargeable device as well. But they're gifts that keep on giving. But all of those gifts, and any gift that we think about that's going to keep on giving, often have a limited lifespan. But the gift of Jesus is one that we should always keep in mind and have a look at and think about, that the gift of Jesus keeps on giving to us. And one of the things it does, what we're talking about today, is that it keeps on giving to us because Jesus makes it possible for you and me and everybody else to be an heir. An heir of the loving Heavenly Father, an heir of the one who wants to give you a a great gift of eternal life. From Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, we heard, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now, to understand a little bit what's going on and why Paul says this to the Galatians, the Galatian church is quite a, a broad church. It's in many, it's a number of places in Galatia, and it's moved around a little bit. But one of the things that has happened is that they've heard the gospel, they've heard that they're saved by grace, they've heard that God loves them. However, they've fallen back into the trap for a number of reasons of thinking, but I can only be saved if I do the right things, if I live the perfect life. And there are people keep putting that in, oh, you're not quite good enough for God. Yes, God saves you, but you're not good enough for God unless you do all this or you meet all the law, the Jewish laws. So there's all this stuff going on and Paul comes back into the picture and says, hold on a moment. Do you want to be a slave? A slave or do you want to be an heir, a child of God? Do you want to be a slave to the law or an heir relying on your future from God? And if you think about our lives, there are many things that we can become slaves to. And you might think about it. We live in an independent world. We live in a world that people like to say and say, well, my future is up to me and it's about what I can do. And if I work hard, I'll be blessed. You know, and I come across people from time to time and say, people don't deserve any help because they just don't work hard enough. That's the sort of world we live in. And we don't think we are slaves. But think about where you put your energies. What do you focus on trying to please? Maybe you're focused on trying to be a perfectionist. Maybe you're worried about every law to the nth degree and doing that. And COVID has shown this where people have become, some people have become extremely legalistic, judging others, judging themselves and living a life of misery because of it and I'm not saying don't avoid the advice but do you want to be a slave to everything some people are slaves to their family expectations some people are slaves to other things I think being a slave is where you put your energies what you believe will give you life and what Paul is reminding the church in Galatia and what God is reminding us if you wish to find, discover more and read the book of Galatians is that 
we are not called to be slaves. We're not called to be people who are burdened and worried about the future and put all our efforts into meeting rules, being perfectionists, being better than somebody else, working harder and harder and harder for the sake of proving how good we are. What God says to us, he says, I love you, you're my child. You have a place in heaven, not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus has done, will do, and will continue to do for you. And that is the gift of Christmas, that we are an heir. God wants us to understand that our relationship with him is one of an heir. Not a slave, or not something we earn. And probably the best story that comes from the scriptures about this to demonstrate how God is an heir is the prodigal son. It's a very offensive story for people who live in the Western world. Because you can think that that son that went off, basically stole his inheritance from his father because his father hadn't died, you can think that he's, he's a rogue. He deserves some tough love. He deserves to be treated badly. But what we see at the end of that story, or near the end of that story, is when the son comes home, and he's coming home to go, I just want to be a slave of my father's because I know I'll at least get fed because he's a good boss. What we see is not that the father accepts him as a slave, but rather the father welcomes him back into the family, accepts him as a son. And that's the relationship God wants you to know. God wants you to know you have with him. You are his loved child, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. He wants you to know you are one of his heirs. That's the sort of relationship he wants you to have with him. Somebody who is loved by him. So let's look at what else what the New Testament says about being an heir. If we go back a few verses, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 to 29, we see that Paul is reminding the whole church, the whole church, that all people can be heirs of God. They don't need to do certain things. They don't need to become somebody else. You know, one of my... So back then, one of the issues was um, some of the Jewish background people, people who were born Jewish, who become Christians, were now saying, no, before you can have a, be part of us, you've got to become Jewish. You know, and they go to the extent you've got to get circumcised to the males. That's another form of the law, being a slave to the law, doing something to prove yourself. The reality is all people can be heirs of God. And we, in our multicultural world, we like to think like that, but sometimes we don't act like that. We're quite happy for foreigners to come here into our church, provided they do exactly what we do. But maybe God has sent them also to teach us and to help us and to bless us. So being an heir is not about a nationality. And we'll talk more about that next week, in next week's service, where we see one of the purposes of the wise men is that they, the story of the wise men reveals that Jesus came not just for the Jewish people, but for all people, for foreigners from across far away. The second thing about being an heir is that we are only made heirs through and by Jesus. 
We are only made heirs by Jesus. We can only be heirs of God. We can only have a relationship with God by trusting Jesus. We can only gain the gift, gifts that come with being an heir by having this relationship with Jesus. There's an old parable story that floats around about a gentleman, old gentleman whose son had died. Um, his wife had died many years beforehand. And this old gentleman was a bit of an amateur painter and he painted the picture of his son. And after he died, there was an auction. And the first piece of art of the auction of his estate was the picture of his son, this amateur picture of his son. There was only one bidder, this the next door neighbour, the lady who lived next door, who bought the painting. And as soon as she bought the painting, the auctioneer stood up and said, the auction is now concluded. And there was 200 people at this auction, and they were amazed. There was all this stuff. But there was one painting had been sold. And then he read out a letter. And the letter went something like this. The person who values my son gets my entire estate. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to value Jesus, to value the gift of Christmas, because we have eternal life. So the second thing to keep in mind, we can only be heirs because God invites us to be heirs through Jesus. The third thing is this, is to understand our relationship as heirs with God, we need to be listening to and relying on the Holy Spirit. Now, one of our challenges as Christians is there's concepts and words that are are put up, and we sometimes use secular or other understandings. We need to come back to the Scriptures and see what the Bible says about being an heir, or see what the Bible says about being a child of God. And we need to have the Holy Spirit helping us. If you go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, it reminds us that um, it's the Holy Spirit that helps us be able to pray to God as our loving Heavenly Father. A few years ago, this really struck me. I was going through a difficult time and I was, um, there was some stuff happening in my life and I was thinking, God, God doesn't really love me because my circumstances were not good. My circumstances were, you know, as I was living in the world, were not great around me, and I started to think God doesn't love me. But then when I opened up scriptures for my daily devotion, this passage from Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 reminded me that God does love me. He is my loving Heavenly Father. I can call him Abba, Father. And he is close to me. See, sometimes when we are living our life, we view the challenges that we're facing We view them as they're always going to be part of our life. They're always going to be part of our life. But in reality, they're a small speck in our entire life. And so we need to be constantly listening to God, listening to the Holy Spirit who will help us understand, help us appreciate what it means for God to be our loving Heavenly Father. The fourth thing about being an heir, and this is what's probably most significantly different than some heirs in our normal world, is that we are not law dependent. We're not law focused, but we are grace dependent. We are grace focused. 
Uh, if you've been part of this congregation or a Lutheran congregation, this, um, this message is something we should have heard regularly. But it's something we miss. Now, as is, our relationship with God is not dependent on the law, but it is dependent on God's grace. It's dependent on God saying, I love you no matter what. I forgive you all your sins. I constantly forgive you. Someone's asked me a few times, why do we always have as part of our worship services a time of confession? It's not for your benefit to get in that. It's not for your benefit to have confession, to to prove yourself to God that you've confessed all your sins. But it is for your benefit so you remember that God is forgiving your sins and always forgiving your sins. Because our relationship with him is one of grace. And lastly, as heirs, as heirs of Jesus, as heirs of God, we live with the hope of eternal life. We live with our focus not on the now, but on the future that God promises us. John chapter 14 reminds us that Jesus is going away to prepare a place for us, a place where there are as many rooms. Revelations chapter 21 and 22 gives us a picture of what that place is like. And so we live with that hope. We live with that future hope. And the reality is when we live with that future hope, that changes how we live now. So living as one of God's heirs, we understand we are no better than anyone else. All of us have the same conditions. None of us can work harder and get a, a better relationship with God for eternity than anyone else. Now, that doesn't mean we can't do things that help nurture our relationship with God. But ultimately, all salvation, all salvation is dependent on God. Secondly, as living as one of God's heirs, we should be spending time regularly with God, listening to what God's Spirit is saying to us, taking time to read the Scriptures, to dwell in the Word, to worship, to talk things over with other Christians and listen to what God is saying. Thirdly, as one of God's heirs, we rely on God's grace and not any form of the law. Now, it doesn't mean the law doesn't have a role in our life, but it's not about proving our relationship with God. A few years ago, this struck me, and it changed the way I started relating to people. I come from a background where it's all about expectations, about meeting goals, about people achieving things. And that's been most of my life. And I still have that within my mindset. But when people don't live up to those expectations, this idea of grace, treating them with grace and relying on God's grace, is to take a step back and think, all right, they haven't achieved, but why? Maybe something else is going on in their life. Maybe there's things they can't control. And that's how God's grace starts to affect how we live today. The fourth thing, and I was reading, and I can't find the article to quote it exactly, but I, I remember reading this article a couple of weeks ago, and it said this. If we're living in God's grace as part of God's church, 
We don't wait to be personally asked or hope we're not going to be asked. But in response to the gospel, we volunteer to serve and to be part of God's church before we're even asked. Because as we live in God's grace, it's the gospel and not the rules. And what the person who was writing this article said is that people who wait to be asked or hope not to be asked often live live by the rules, the law, what they have to do. But people who volunteer to serve without being asked often have a greater understanding of grace. And lastly, living as one of God's heirs means we live with hope and care for God's church. We live with hope for eternal life, but we also see the importance of God's church, being God's church on earth, of sharing God's word to the world. And I think this story helps illustrate how having that hope on eternal life changes the way we do, we live today. There was a story of an old farmer couple and they had a farmhand employed and for many years the farmhand continually just did his work, milked the cows, did what he was told to do, did nothing more. And over the years the farm became run down and the older couple got older and older and then one day they called him in to the house, the house on the left called him into the house and said, look, we have no children. We have no relations that we know of in the area or even in the country. We are going to give you the farm because you have been a loyal farmer to us. Well, the next day, that farmhand's life would look completely different. Not only did he do the jobs that he was asked to do, he started to tidy up the place and paint the place and fix up the fence and see what things were broken would be, could be repaired. And over time, the place became newer and neater. And that's all because he saw himself as an heir of the place, somebody who was part of what God was giving And that story reminds us of the church. We are all called to be part of God's church. We're all heirs of God's family. We're all heirs of God's church. And each one of us will receive what God gives us. But as we live on this earth, being an heir means let us get involved of being driven by grace, allowing God's grace to encourage us, to to Help us focus on what we should be doing. Help us nurturing the church and caring for the church so other people get to know of this grace and this love that God has for them. And so as you leave, remember, this message is not just for you, but it's a message that is for everyone you encounter. Through Jesus, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir also. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift, the gift of being one of your heirs, the gift of being guaranteed that we will be with you in eternity. Not only with you, but we will be loved by you.
for eternity. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us and help us. Help us to more clearly understand what it means to be your heir. Help us to live more clearly as your heir. And loving Father, we thank you for who you are, what you've done, and what you're going to do. May we rely on your grace throughout our lives. May we share your grace through what we say and what we do and how we relate to others. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.